Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Students for a Better Future Radio. It is the second of uh, two parts tonight, um, and uh, join my host, Doreen Finkel, uh, and Ruben Torres, and we're ready to go. Hi, Ruben. We're live on the air. Welcome to the second of two parts of our radio show series tonight. Um, uh, and this segment deals with the accessibility, the availability, and anonymity of sex on the net. Um, and we're going to be joined by our guest, Greg Parrott, in just a few minutes. Oh, I think he's on the line right now. Hi, Craig. Is that you? That is me. Hello, hello, hello. Hey. Welcome to the show. Um, I just uh, want to talk a little bit about tonight, and uh, everybody knows that we're basically Students for a Better Future Radio. Um, and I have to tell you, uh, just from uh, you know talking to college kids, that um, you know, I, I mean, this stuff is uh, is the internet porn is all over the place. And um, you know, and and it's it's just growing. Well, and, not only, um, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I just said, not only go is ahead. it all over the place, it is the primary sex education tool that most of these college students received. It's their learning from pornography, where most of them were exposed to it at a very young age. The average age of exposure, according to a study to pornography conducted a few years ago was 11. And so not only is it everywhere, it has become the primary source of sexual education for these young men and women, and it's having an impact, and it's having a significant impact. Uh, Yeah. Um, I wrote this up, and I was doing some research, um, and it's pretty much anyone with a computer tablet, cell phone, Xbox, can get it anywhere, anytime. And you could set up your own porn site easily just by use of a webcam, camera, computer, and even using a room in your house. And um, That is correct. Uh, yes. And this stuff, um, you know, it's, it's the availability of it and the accessibility and the ability to do it anonymously that um, is uh, making the Internet porn um, so widespread. And um, I just want to get our uh, our co-host on, okay. Um, let me see if he, he's, uh, he's there, okay. Um, and now, can you tell everybody what you're doing? All right, all right. This is live radio. This is how it goes, right? How are you? Hi, hi, Ruben. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, Craig Parrott is on the line. Craig, tell everybody what you do. Hi, Ruben and audience. My name is Craig Perra. I'm a professional life coach from Sacramento, California, and I work with men, couples, struggling with compulsive sexual behavior in 17 countries all over the world. I'm the founder of the Mindful Habits System, which is a series of tools, techniques, and some pretty powerful behavior change modality type stuff to help men escape from this place. Um, and I've struggled with compulsive sexual behavior most of my life. <laughs> Go ahead, Ruben. I, I, uh, ask away. Well, you know, I, I grew up in an era of in the in, in the seventies, late seventies, early eighties, um, where you had the, uh, the, the the you know Deep Throat, all these exotic movies, uh, the Ron Jeremy's, the you know. John Holmes and the Vanessa Del Rios, where pornography was really something that it, it was exciting. It was uh, it was a money making business, but today that has all changed. It has become more more portable because at that point you had to go to the movie theater to go see a porno movie. Now you can actually see it in your own pajamas in your bed. That's right, and and you know what those movie theaters look like if you've ever driven by one i can confess since my life is an open book i've been there these are dark shady places you've now got children with child toys the wii u the game you know listen the nintendo ds if it can access the internet it can access pornography and right. so pornography has grown from this dark shady kind of you know uh uh um you know, red light district kind of business to now right. an international business worth over anywhere from 10 to $100 billion. Okay, one of the largest yeah. porn companies in the world named MindGeek, formerly known as Manwin, got a nine-figure loan from a major Wall Street bank. Nine figures. Nine figures. We're talking wow. clean money now. Why? Because sex sells. That's why. Right. It has always, uh, you know, had a market, but I think in today's market it, it's, it's different because you have, you can do, you can, you can actually become your, you can become a celebrity from, you know, with, if you have a, a, a computer and you have a camera, you're, you can have your own re reality show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, you know, everybody let, wants let, attention, and how do you get attention? Look at Kim Kardashian. Her career was yeah, born a from a sex tape. She born yeah. from a sex tape. She was Paris Hilton's assistant. And so pornography and the mainstreaming of pornography and the proliferation of pornography is changing our youth's sexuality. I just did a podcast with a 21-year-old woman and talked about her experience with men in this demographic, but it's one person's experience, but you see it echoed all over the Internet where right. the male wanted to ejaculate on her face, the male wanted to choke her, gag her, slap her, spit on her. And, you know, I come from the Barry White 
era, you know, love and connection and intimacy. And I was smoking <laughs> at a very young age, but 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 this is how this sexuality is manifesting, and um, you know, I think I think so it's they, I think they're it's, not attaching uh, human emotion to it, correct? Well, you know, That's I don't work happening. with kids. I, you know, I, you, you folks in the trenches working with university students, certainly the act of hooking up have increased um, the pl- proliferation of group-type sex activities. I've read has increased, but, you know, you find one statistic on one side on one on the other, but that does feel like it's a general theme. I get the guys when they have graduated, they're now working – they're looking to find a relationship, and they are finding that this hobby that everybody's doing in college, you just go on the you know, 4chan, 9gag, uh, you know, Reddit, and people are talking about porn like we used to talk about coffee. It's, it's an open conversation where, where it, well, you know, it was a sh- secret when I was a kid. I'm 43 years now, old. You know, it's, it's not a secret because when I'm on the campus um, – the kids actually tell me, oh, they see the guys, they put a notice out on the door, and it's saying, yes. don't disturb me, yeah, I'm watching that. porn. Yes, yes, yes. So, and so, so it's I get, like I, it's normalized. It, it's absolutely normalizing for a couple of different reasons. But just to finish my point, I get the men, when they enter the workforce, they've achieved some success, but they don't have healthy coping strategies. Pornography becomes their healthy coping strategy. And as men, if we direct the force and amount of that energy towards pixels on a screen, well, we don't have left to connect with another human being. We don't have to invest in trying to create human touch in our lives, working to pursue the goal that we wanted, the leaders that we want to be, um, the fathers that we want to be. And so I see them when the damage is done and trying to raise awareness around college campuses from a secular perspective because the religious folks got this locked down, right? They've been opposed for porn for a variety of different reasons. I don't take, well, uh, there's no judgment here in what I do. The approach that I like to take is that your sexual energy is powerful. It's one of the most powerful forces in human nature. And as men, we got to control it. We can't give it away to multi-billion-dollar porn companies. That's not going to help us get where we want to go. We need to embrace that power, channel that power, control it, or it will control you. Craig, and that's Craig, exactly what we're thinking. Yeah, let me ask you: uh, If a guy, a young man, is a, gets addicted to porn, and then he, you know, does meet a girl at, you know, let's say at the end of his college years, um, can he? Uh, maintain a healthy relationship with this girl? In other words, will he see her as a normal per, uh, body? Because a lot of the women's bodies don't look like that in porn. No, no. There's a couple of two, couple things happen. One is that his pornography has gone to such a dark place that there's so much shame around it, he is unable to bring his sexual desires and wants and wishes into the relationship, right? That, that, that's a give and take in any healthy relationship. I like this, I like this, I like this. And so pornography, which is one thought, you know, remember back from the 70s, Ruben, it was an liberating, it was an enlightening event. The feminists applauded Miller versus yes. California in 1978, legalizing erotic dancing, protecting it under the First Amendment. 
it was right. it was it, woo, it was a celebration. A lot of them are kind of saying, "Oops, <laughs> uh, we didn't expect it to go so, this far." So, does so, the guy does the guy think it's normal to treat the woman like that? Because I know some of the things in porn, they you know they they um, they hit her. They I, I don't know. They do some things that to me would be demeaning, like hitting her and and beating her. And do guys think that that's how they they are supposed to treat the woman when they finally meet a real woman, or? Well, and a lot of the younger men that I work with, um, you know, early 20s, they don't have any idea how to, in other words, in, in the example I was just giving you, is that their sexuality has become so so rooted in shame because of what they're watching, and it, you know, progresses, it gets, for some people, it gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, so they don't know how to act, and so they shut down. Their relationship becomes quite vanilla, and they're unable to connect truly on that physical, spiritual plane where they might be able to do if it wasn't for the corrupting influence of pornography. That's one type of guy. The other guy is who brings that, and this is the podcast that I did with a young woman named Lexi Crump. She's on social media. Find her on Twitter. And she shared her experience, which is her boyfriend wanted to gag her with his penis. He wanted to choke her. He wanted to slap her and spit on her. And she's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. And then she talked to her friends, and they shared similar experiences. And so what people do in their bedroom is of their own business. My mission is to help people find that healthy sexuality. And when I talk to people, that porn sex is not healthy sexuality. One, because it's a fantasy, complete fantasy, shot over four hours, different angles, directors, really, really boring to watch one of these things get made, so I'm told. Uh, but it's not reality. And, and, and because we are so dysfunctional in our society around sex, I, say, I like to say we're schizophrenic around it. One, we've got our puritanical roots where sex is dirty and disgusting, and you save it for someone you love. That was, you know, the the the, the old, uh, not to pick on the Catholics, but, you know, that was a lot of some of the old religious teachings back when I was a kid. It was taboo. It wasn't something that was talked about. And, um, and, and so they're getting their sexual education through pornography, and they are learning lessons that are not making them better men, not making them better lovers, and not helping them connect with other people, to the contrary, there are millions of people proclaiming all over the world that they are addicted, that they can't stop. I've worked with surgeons who are looking at porn on the way to the hospital in their car. I've worked with professional athletes on the way to for the workout, looking at porn pulling over in the rest stop. Men taking considerable risks to get their fix to disconnect from their lives. And that's something that you mentioned that because um, employers have called me because we do uh, work on the human trafficking and uh, employers have complained that, you know, they've had problems with people doing that at work. Um, yes, you know, interesting you mentioned that. One yeah, of the fastest growing areas of litigation, right? I, I'm a lawyer. I'm a licensed attorney in Connecticut. I now work with men and couples full time, but in my old life, um, I was an attorney, or well, I am an attorney, and one of the fastest growing areas of litigation is sexual harassment lawsuits, in part because of the proliferation of porn in the workplace. And most wow. companies, 
have a zero-tolerance policy. Any Fortune 500 company, any company remotely close to that size, has an Internet usage policy. And that Internet usage policy, in the overwhelming majority of instances, calls for instant termination. So you've got men risking their jobs, risking their careers, executives sneaking out to watch porn, men who own these big buildings sneaking into the basement to watch porn in the bathroom getting caught by one of their staff. Oh, my goodness. And, they're, they're yeah, and there was a case here, the Commerce Department, um, it says here, our IG report revealed that from 2009 to 2012, more than $5 million was wasted on employees who watched pornography, shopped online, and otherwise were nonproductive, and almost 90% of the time they were on the clock. This was in, in our government. So, yeah. Um, so, so I, I guess because of, I call it the three A's, um, and that's the availability, that's one, and then the other other two, you know, you can do it anonymously because you just watch it on the Internet. Nobody really knows you're, you're watching it, you know. Um, and, you know, with the, um, if you have a tablet or uh, anywhere, uh, people watch it in the car while they're driving, uh, and, you know, and even the uh, law enforcement said they've seen an increase uh, in number of accidents due to people watching pornography while they're driving. Now, Ruben, as a young man, I'm 43. Can you imagine, did you ever think there'd be the day you'd hear a statistic that there are more accidents because people are watching porn in their cars while they're driving? No, no. That is is astonishing. Astonishing. I haven't heard that. that. That's interesting. I've got to check that out. But it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. But, Craig, I, I, I have a question for you. In regards to in regards to addiction, uh, por- porno por- pornography addiction. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but women tend to not be as driven by porno as men are. Correct? That is true. The statistics on women are far lower than they are for men. Although there is a dramatic rise. The number of calls that I've gotten from women over the course of the past even six mm. months has probably doubled or tripled. Okay. Yes, and it's but still Ruben, a tiny funny percentage. You, you asked that because um, because the girls on campus tell me, you know, something that feeds into the stats. They don't watch it, but what they'll do is they'll, um, you know, for example, mimic the porn women. You know, they'll want to go for the plastic surgery, They'll make themselves into looking like that, and that's how it harms the woman because they the women kind of want attention, and so they do that stuff to get attention. Go ahead, mm. you were saying. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, so I, 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 I. Yeah. I. Uh, it, 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 it. 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 Pornography, according to the lawyers that handle divorce in this country, is a contributing factor in 47% of divorces in the United States. So it's impacting the family. It's impacting the family. I have got father-son clients. Right? How, how deeply rewarding is that for me where a father said, you know, I have to swallow my pride. My son is struggling. It's time for me to step up and said, son, me too. I know what you're going through. <laughs> and, then, and then I've worked 
with the son, and that's the conversation that needs to happen, and that's why I go on any show. You want to talk about porn? Count me in. I'm there. I leave on Friday to appear on Lifetime for a um, reality show called Living with the Enemy, and my primary mission there is to spread this message and really have men ask themselves, is this helping me? Is this making me a better person? Am I, am I, am I, am I being true to my essence? Right, because I think that the, the 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 driving force in this universe, if it isn't, it should be love. Doesn't mean love does love, love means great crazy sex too, and that's with a partner. That's fine. There's nothing inconsistent about it. But when I interviewed one of the elite porn stars, her name is Jessie Rogers, and she was you know a, a top performer, a list in the industry, who left the industry, drugs, sexual abuse, sexual assault, and she said to me, and I'll never forget it. She said, Craig. There is no love in porn. And that's in the making of it, that's in the profiting of it, and that's in the consumption of it. Now, are there some couples? Listen, rock on. If you and your spouse are doing your thing, I'm not, this isn't, I'm not talking about those people. I'm not the guy who judges, okay? I just know that for everyone I talk to, porn has taken over some part of their life and is moving them away from that love. Love for their partner, love for themselves, passion for their career, passion for their community. Uh, um, yeah. Craig, um, has there been any studies done on the addiction of pornography leading to violent sexual crimes? There has been some studies over in Europe. I'm not aware of any studies in the United States. One of the studies that I saw came out of Ireland, and they noted a 33% increase on child-on-child sex crimes. And the folks in the trenches attributed that to pornography. Now, that was not a scientific study. This was an interview. The statistics, studying the statistics was the cause wasn't studied, but the people handling the crimes, that was their opinion. It is very difficult to get data on some of these things, and so I don't know how deeply it's been studied yet. There are studies back from the 70s and 80s that say pornography actually reduces violent crime. And so mm. the anti-porn movement has had to struggle with those statistics. And now, listen, they've challenged the integrity of the data. They've challenged how the data was used and manipulated to reach those results. And they were talking about a different kind of porn. So there's a whole bunch of different ways to distinguish that. But in all fairness, my job is to spread the truth. And those studies are out there. And that begs the question for me is, okay, well, that, so sex offenders aren't going to offend as much, but that doesn't preclude us from talking about the people who it is impacting. Are there a subset of people who are crossing over? Absolutely. I've worked with some of these guys. I, I would think over. I would think over, yeah. over time. I would think over time that the more you constantly watch porno, that, that has to psychologically it has to lead to, especially if you're not able to have a couple, a, a partner next to you, dri- I would think drive you, dri- you, I mean, or drive you to 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 getting getting something, uh, either by buying, purchasing, or by force. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree, Ruben. Yeah, and, to me, and that, that sounds logical. Them, yeah, well, listen, let's add to that logic just to build on that for a second. When you look at the pornography that is being consumed today, and much of it, when you look at the mainstream tube site, by the way, all this free porn on the Internet is a marketing tool to get people into their funnel. Same thing that tobacco did. In the 50s, and in the 40s, in the 20s, you give cigarettes away, right? The tobacco industry is now banned from giving away free cigarettes in most first world countries. They still do it in some second and third world countries. So you give it away. So same principle as tobacco. And, and the type of porn that's being housed in those places, the majority of it depicts violence against women, name-calling, forced oral sex, gagging, choking, some injury to the woman, and, 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 and from a, just a holistic sexuality perspective, is male-centric. There is no female pleasure being featured. So when you add that to what you just said, most of the pornography out there is getting harder, it's getting more mm-hmm. aggressive, it's getting more violent, it's involving more men, it's involving more... We're on the radio, so I don't know what I can say, but it's involving a no, lot more could, stuff. Could, uh, yes. Go ahead. It, it's just no, getting it's worse just, and worse. It's just getting um, worse and worse. Yeah, here's and my, my, issue, my issue with this, and I'm going to bring this up because um, our research team is looking into this. Um, because the Internet is worldwide, um, we're finding that different countries have different laws. And this is why it's hard for us to deal with the Internet right now. The Internet is almost like a wild beast, you know. Um, Yeah, absolutely true. But don't forget, porn is protected by the First Amendment. It is a free speech issue. Yes, it is. It it is. Yes. And, And that case was 1978, right? I yeah, my, I think Miller versus my, California okay, was one of them, and I, I think so. Okay, if it I was remember under, correctly. they classified as 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 a art, a form of art. Um, yeah, freedom of expression. Freedom, that's it. Freedom of expression. Um, but even so, if it's yes, if it's considered free speech, there probably is some things that we as individuals can do, right? You, you know, to yeah. to. Uh, to, to kind of get a, I guess get a hold on this thing, because right yeah. now hey, listen, I'm telling, if they've got a, I'm telling if, you, yeah. um, you know I have two boys, and you know, and my husband talks to them. I mean, you know, we do talk about this, but you know, I want to let my boys be boys. You know, they they're gonna, you know, they're going to um try a little bit and see what it's about. You know, um, and you know they. They have uh, uh, viewed internet porn, um, but they're not addicts um, because we as a family have had a discussion on this. Um, I don't know if that's a way to, um, I, I guess, uh, educate your the young boys or is, is that the how you guys do that? Young boys and girls. Ed, ed, yeah, education yes. is uh, absolutely critical. And let me just give you an example to show you how 
prolific this problem is. In, I think it's the Netherlands, a Scandinavian country, and one of their leading human sexologists, right, just we're talking, you know, one of, in the country, has proposed they actually show porn to um, young kids. Show it to them. And, and on its face, you say, what? What? And he says, wait a minute. I know this sounds shocking, but here's the reality. All of them have already seen it. If we don't show them the difference between this false, disconnected, this fantasy, and, and, and teach them who's making the films, where are they, do, these, do these actors have health benefits, are they, do they have aftercare if something happens to them during a shoot, are they, receive, are they working in safe sanitary conditions, right? There's a green porn movement that's evolving, and, and so that's his, that's his point. I don't agree with that point. I think there's plenty of ways to educate with data and information. But education is critical. If the average age of exposure to pornography is 11 years old, well, the correct term for body parts should always be used. Nudity, private parts, respect, the Internet. Um, you know, those conversations start at six, seven years old, depending upon the maturity of the child. And well, they're not one. Yeah, there is no yeah, talk. There's no talk. There's lots well, of talks. I have to tell you, as the father of a of a 21 year old young man, uh, my wife and I, we basically we learn from our parents' experience. You know, when you try to keep things away from your kids, they're going to go after them. Uh, they're going to oh, want. They're going to be curious. Yeah, they're going to be curious. So if you're open, if you're open minded and you give them some responsibilities and give them some opportunities they may eventually just not even want to see porn they may not even want to smoke a cigarette they may not want to drink because you know it's there and they may not like it they may like it or they may not like it but if you keep those things away from them that's worse in my opinion well, it is not only in your opinion, Ruben, it is a scientific fact, brother. You are spot on. And yeah. the first <laughs> example that comes to mind is the complete colossal failure of the Just Say No campaign. Because what did that yeah. campaign tell us? People don't like being told what to do, especially kids. That's it. Right. But I, I, I've, heard, I've, heard, I've heard parents, and, and the reason I said, you know, that, that's how, I, how we brought up our son. Because I, I used to hear parents say, no, we must keep th- these things away from them because, you know, if we expose them, well, you know, that's the problem right there. You're saying you want to keep things away from them. They're going to go after it because you're keeping them away from them, <laughs> from those things. You know, yeah. like, uh, yeah, the more, the more go taboo. Out. Yeah. And, and the other place, Ruben, I think is important to illustrate around human sexuality. Look at our culture's relationship with the breath. Right, the female breast has yes. been tabooed to such a such a degree. It's such a arousing thing for us guys. We can't stop oogling. Where women in 2014 were arrested for indecent exposure for breastfeeding their children in public. That happened in our country, okay, southern states. Yes, that happened. And then you've got the hypersexuality all over television all over the media graphic hardcore group sex pornography is available on every major device janet jackson 
in the Super Bowl commercial. She pulls her shirt down. Was there areola? Wasn't there areola? If there was areola, there'd be more of a fine. We're crazy. We're crazy. Yeah. I, I have to tell you, I have to tell you that I, I, as a kid, um, we traveled to to you know my great grandparents are from Spain in 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 Europe. In Europe, you know, you go to a beach uh, uh, anywhere in the Mediterranean, anywhere in, in, in southern Spain, and, and it's basically they uh, women are basically nude. That's something that that I saw as a kid. I mean, it, it definitely, you know, I I used to go, you know, as a kid, you know, in Brooklyn there was a Jacob Reese Park. I mean, uh, where basically those are areas that you know. You get accustomed, you get exposed to these things. So to me, you know, I, when I went to Brazil before I got married and I saw women, in, 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 you know, hardly, you know, in clothes, you know, they were very attractive. But I didn't go crazy over it. Right. You, know? you didn't go They're beautiful and everything, but yeah. I'm so yeah. accustomed to I'm so accustomed to it already uh, that I admire them, but I don't really go crazy, you know, because that's something – to me, it's just normal. Yeah. And, and they've yeah. studied, anthropologists have studied um, aboriginal cultures where nudity is the norm and the fetish. Those things just don't exist there. It's not It's not the same. Yes. Now, in, in American culture, women will play that to their advantage over over the men because you mentioned oh, the breasts. Yeah, well, listen, certainly... certainly uh, <laughs> W- w- women do hold all the cards. We just don't realize it yet. <laughs> yeah. When we want some, we know what to do. So, <laughs> of course, you have the you have the last thing. Uh, but I, I do I I I do have another I do have another question. Uh, in regards to pornography, uh, I remember in the seventy in the late seventies there was an increase. Uh, it was becoming very popular, S&M, you know, sadomasochist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Pornography was basically, they were more, they were indulging more in, into S&M. Uh, is that still happening? Because I don't, I don't watch, I don't really, you know, I don't watch porno. I mean, that's not, that's not something that I, that I watch. Wilson, but, you, you know, know as a kid, gro- growing up. Yeah. Growing up. Ruben hasn't yeah. been, Ruben's got a healthy relationship with entertainment. He hasn't been following yeah. the entertainment news lately, has he? I know what you're going to no, tell him. No, he's got he's to watch Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Fifty Shades uh-huh. of Gay, but Grey, but the question you asked, Ruben, is answered by the popularity of the book, of the movies, and it, people exploring, you know, alternative versions of sexuality. There's nothing inherently wrong with couples in an intimate relationship finding their way together. That's not what we're talking about. It, But there is an element of power and control. And what critics of the movie have said is that you're not featuring a couple finding healthy sexuality. You're feeling, you're, you are showing a rich billionaire exploiting a far younger virgin, um, Anastasia. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and he is he is controlling her, and he is manipulating her, and um, it's abusive. So that's that that's what the critics of the movie say, and they've got a, a lot of valid points that I agree with. 
So it is insanely uh, popular because the sales of fetish clothing has gone up and other things related to that lifestyle. I've seen articles to that effect. Um, mm-hmm. How long it lasts? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, there was there was there was there was a lot of. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, the reason uh, yeah, one of the reasons. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go ahead, Craig. Finish. I just want to ask. No, you, I, I'm done. I'm uh, waiting. Because, I'm, I'm because, waiting. Because because uh, uh, you had mentioned that when you take the sex away, okay, um, that there's more of a craving for it, and um, I was wondering because. Um, Larry Flint group did a study one time, and, and they said that the red states have a higher viewing rate of Internet pornography than the blue ones. Yes, that is true. So, and more Christians identify with the hypersexuality or sex addiction and porn addiction label than non-Christians. Wow. I, I, I would have... I would have to disagree with that. I lived in, I grew up, I was born and raised and grew up in in, in a blue state, and and I I live in a red state now. Uh, As a New Yorker, I I got a chance to see what 42nd Street was, uh, because I grew up up in the city. I I think there, I mean, there is some truth that in, in in the red states, you know, in the rural areas where there's really not much to do, Pornography could be a very attractive thing to do on a daily basis, but I think in the blue states there's a lot more money. There's a lot more money to 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 spend, and I think that uh, they're basically underestimating how much uh, money is spent on pornography on the uh, on in, in the blue states, which are you know the state of New York, California, you know Illinois, and in Massachusetts, I mean, those four states right there. I mean, there's a lot of money in there. Well, you've got you've got a lot of money, and you're absolutely right about the money disparities, Ruben. But here's the interesting thing about pornography, and because it's on the web, we have the data. We know how many people from Iowa are watching. We know how many people from California are watching. We know how many people for from. So, so they've got the data. The porn companies know how much traffic is coming in by state. They've got the technology okay. to show that. And so this is, a, this is kind of a neat thing that we're seeing now. And so what we're seeing, and it really supports your point earlier about making this taboo, right, and what maybe alternative methods might be a little bit more effective is that this, the, the more the sexuality becomes taboo, there seems there, there is a higher correlation. We don't have causation yet. Correlation between men who identify themselves as sex addicts or porn addicts and have those states have higher rates of pornography use. And so when you break those states down religiously in red blue, red wins and religious wins. More porn. Which are the which are the top five? Which are the top five states? Texas if you Google, and I'll tell your now. audience too. Yeah, I don't know off the top of my head. If you Google Pornhub statistics okay. regarding pornography, you'll find those articles, and they're they're really really neat because they break it down. And in a disturbing trend, one of the most popular search terms for pornography, one of the most popular genres of pornography, 
is teen porn. Right. And like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hey, dads, what are you looking at? Is that helping you or is that hurting you? Is that making your life better or is it making it worse? Is it making you more attractive to your wife or making you less? Yeah. Here, Ruben, I just Googled it, okay? It says the residents of the great state of Utah have the highest subscription rate to online porn at 5.47 subscribers per thousand. Then next comes One of the most religious states in the country. That's the home of the Mormons. Yes. 35% 35% of my clients are LDS. LDS, my, my, I grew up with a lot of uh, LDS members in the in New York City, so. Yeah, I love I, them. I, They're my people. You know, I'm, the, I, I'm their guy locally when they're struggling here in Roseville, California, in Rockland, and we're putting together a LDS-specific version of my program, which I'm really excited about. But, uh, yeah, no, no, a group that is struggling, struggling. Yeah, I know. I was yeah. just in. I was. I was just in in Utah a couple of years ago for my my one of my closest friends' uh, baptism confirmation. Oh. Alpine, Utah. Yeah, beautiful place. Uh-huh. I heard. I've never been, but uh, yep. yeah. So so when you so you know it's um, oh and then and then forget about. We're going to keep it to this country. There's a whole other episode on what happens when you take the porn-searching habits and go to places where sexuality is repressed in a profound way, like the Middle East, what they're looking at. I'll let you guys figure that out. You can Google. You you do your homework there. That's beyond the scope of the show. But you see a trend. You see a pattern. Now, now, what... What I, I have a question regarding um, you know that porno also has been used now by computer hackers. As a matter of fact, it happened to Doreen a couple of weeks ago, and it's happened to it's happening to <laughs> thanks, a lot of thanks, people. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> Hey, hey, Doreen, listen, it's happened to everybody. It's happened to everybody. Celebrate it! You're the one finally brave enough to talk about it. Everyone's had uh, virus uh, on their computers yes. from pornography. So where I'm getting at, where I'm going with it, where I'm yeah, where I'm going with this is that it's a it's a tool that is being used by hackers to really um, create fear and panic on 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 computer users on 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 home users that when they see porno being displayed in their computer, they they freak out. They don't know what. How did it get there? So that's a, a total, totally another, another uh, something that was not happening in the seventies and eighties. No, that certainly no, and that, wasn't. That porn. happened to me. Yeah, Craig, on on my Facebook page, um, it, the my Facebook page was hacked, and while I was working in the morning, I was actually at a fundraiser. Somebody called me from Tennessee. They said, "Do you know your?" Um, your uh, Facebook page was sending out porn to everybody. And I said, no, oh I had God. no idea. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're and, crafty. And they so when I went crafty. home, I found out I was hacked. And I changed my passcode. <clears throat> I changed it once, and then they figured out what that passcode is, so I had to change it again. And that's why I was really frightened about it, because I'd never seen anything like that before. Yeah, that's crazy. 
You know, here, here's another part that's crazy. We think nobody knows what we're watching. One of those three A's is anonymity. Well, somebody knows you're watching. For example, the government knows you're watching. And for some of your liberal-minded, anti-establishment-like students, Google what happened to the mullahs in New York and other parts of the country who were just practicing their religion of Islam, but the government wanted to see what kind of pornography they were watching. Right? This, is, this is news. This is mainstream news. I'm not on the fringe media now. So pornography is now a liability. Right? Everyone thinks they're anonymous, but are you really anonymous? It takes an awful lot of work for anonymous, the hacking group, to stay anonymous. You're not anonymous. People know. Your web browsing company knows, the company collecting data that your internet stuff, people know. People know. And so the there's no such actually bring something to, to the stats for a minute. Um I just noticed um that states that have lower um viewing pornography it has a higher number of those who are gay. There's one stat here. I just thought I'd bring that to your attention. Um, yeah, it's just a stat put out by uh, uh, Porn Equality. What's the correlation? What's What's the correlation between that? I, I don't I don't get it. I I don't know. Uh, well, I guess if you're gay, you would watch all that. I, I don't know. It's just a stat that's put out by this one group. Yeah, right, but and you've got to be very, very careful with statistics on pornography because what you'll find is a lot of them on the web you can't trace back to source, right? As as academic, you know, being on campus and academia, right? Where's the source? So you got to be careful. I've never heard that one, but uh, who knows? Who knows? Go ahead, Ruben. Hey, Craig. Uh, what, what what do you see? Uh, Porno in, in, in five ten years now. I mean, it, it's moving so fast. Uh, Technology is taking over. Uh, you as a lawyer, uh, as having a, a business uh, of counseling uh, individuals that are addicted. Where where do you see? You, I mean, I I'm I'm listening to you and I'm and I'm seeing that you're gonna have a you're gonna have a lot more clients and your business is gonna grow. Yeah, I'm uh, I, I I'm uh, you know it's getting. It, 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 it's. I was just about to say. I, you know, it, it's. I need more people, because where do I see it? I see a couple things happening. I see one, because things are going to be so out of control, and I'll tell you where that's headed, or frankly, where it is now is going to shock you. Um, what technology is almost in production, um, but because of that, there's going to be a movement around healthy sexuality, defining sexuality from a masculine place from a feminine place from a from a monogamous place and revisiting why do we want to do that right do we want orgies all the time you know we have these fantasies but wait we when we do them are our lives really enriched are they fulfilled are we kind of batshit crazy and so i do think there's going to be a greater attention to um healthy sexuality and men are going to have to start talking to their boys at an earlier age and their daughters and moms and dad moms too right to both is is really going to drive that discussion because that discussion has to happen and it's occurring now because it's going to get worse 
It's going to get worse. You now have technology, Oculus Rift-like technology, where you can immerse yourself into a 3D virtual reality of pornography. Okay, so you add to that with some of the sensors that are going to be available with the technology today. There's a name for it. It's called teledildonics, controlling sexual devices through the Internet. So I have something that attaches to me, and my wife has something that that attaches to her. Does that control the brain, and, you know, would you be able to feel it with all that? Well, it's an actual device that you plug in. It's a device that you plug into your computer, and the person on the other side can manipulate it, and you can actually feel it because it's actually physically touching your genitals. That's today. That technology exists today. That technology exists today. So... Where it's going we have a work cut is out anyone's us. guess. Is anyone's guess. And so the message has to be, you know, and I know I talk about porn addiction, I talk about sex addiction, but I really want the message to be is healthy sexuality. What does that mean for us? What does that mean? We've got to come at this from what is the solution. And the solution is, is having a national dialogue in schools, in the doctor's office, in the churches, in the atheist coffee shops, and we're everywhere, about what is healthy sexuality and what does that look like and, 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 and what, what impact is pornography going to have on my life and is that something I want? Is that an industry I want to support, for example? Is that, is that, is that where I want the, my powerful energy to go? And you're seeing more and more people are saying no. At the same time, the universe of people watching is growing. It is, and then you know you um, you get other things are also be affected by it because you know you, you see all the virtual stuff that's out there. Um, you know, people fall in love with particular characters, you know, and then um, uh, and then they they might want to uh, just be married to that, so to speak, you know, instead of ha- having a real healthy uh, relationship with somebody. And, and let me ask you that, with all the porn that's out there, what incentive is it for a young guy to go and have a a relationship? Because relationships take work. Yeah. You, you no, know? It, it's, um, you know, men are losing, young men are losing themselves in pornography. And it's at the expense of intimate relationships, great sex with a real person, um, more energy for school, uh, more energy for the community to help those less fortunate, whatever you pick, and it's 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 consuming people because it's so powerful. I mean, just look at advertising and media, and it's sad. It's sad, but but there are folks like us who want to talk about these things, want to put them out there and bring awareness. And I commend you, folks, for doing that. Um, the fact that you're seeing this issue being talked about more and more in fact we've had two major motion three major motion pictures dealing with this issue thank you for sharing don john and shame and so Mm -hmm. so clearly we're struggling as a society to find healthy sexuality in a hypersexualized puritanical culture we're trying to figure that out 
And um, it's folks like you that give people the opportunity to ask themselves a question. Huh, I never thought about that before. Let me give you that some attention. Yeah, so I, I mean, it's, it's just it's just everywhere. And, you know, you mentioned the fathers talking to their sons. Well, the moms are going to also have to talk to their daughters, too. Because at a very young age, the girls are being exposed to these women, um, you know, and these objects. And, and women looking like that, and then they say, well, this is what I want to be like when I, I grow up, and this is what you have to do. You know, because from a women's point of view, women want to be recognized. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like, a, yeah. it's like a vicious cycle going around. Vicious and, cycle. Um, That's absolutely correct. You, you know, and like Ru- Ruben said, like like years ago, you know, we never had it to this level, you know. That's right. It, it, and, it, I mean, we're experiencing this like um, at no other point in our history. No, never you in the know? history of mankind has more pornography been available to more people. Graphic video pornography been available to more people. And, and you know, it's even on the Xbox and the video games and 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 everywhere, you know. Um, yeah, there's no place that you... Or are you just listening? I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of my next. I'm, I'm, I've already analyzed my next question. Um, basically, I, I find this really. I find this uh, so, you know, in, uh, informative. Um, but, Craig, uh, I, I, have there been studies in regards to uh, the the increased number of seniors, people over the age of sixty, that are viewing porno? Because oh there God, has been a, there, yeah, there has been an increase in the number of STDs uh, that seniors are getting now because they're basically they want to enjoy their last twenty, thirty years that they have, or ten years, I or whatever. Tell you, I I I've got to look at the data because nothing's coming to mind. But anecdotally, what I can tell you is that these are some of the saddest conversations I have with men in their 70s or 80s, and they are consumed with pornography. Mm-hmm. I talked to a couple that had been married over 37 years. They just called. They never, they never, they never signed up. The wife said it was hopeless, and they were divorced. And there he is, and, and, and he's unable to perform because of his age, his medical condition, and right. he's just watching it, just watching it. You know, like the story's even worse. He's just watching it. And um, so I know I get a lot of calls from men, you know, 60s, 60s and 70s, 180s. Um, never got in the 90s yet, but um, listen, the call, people are calling, man. People are calling, and uh, they're struggling, and uh, those are some of the saddest because these guys are just, they know they've wasted such a good period of their lives, and it's so sad for them. Yeah. Um, okay, Ruben um, and Craig, listen, we're running out of time, uh, and I know, Craig, you have to go. Um, so, uh, Ruben, do you want to do the closure? Well, I wanted to, uh, for Craig to um, bring up, um, he's going to be on Lifetime. I love Lifetime. I, I do watch Lifetime. When are you going to be, when is that, is, is that a pilot or a, a series? So it, 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 it is a show called Living with the Enemy, 
based on an old BBC show from the 90s. And Mm -hmm. I start filming on Friday, and because of my confidentiality agreement, that's all I can tell you. And frankly, the truth is I don't know much more than that, but I know I'll be paired with someone who has opposing viewpoints, and it's going to air in um, early June, June 2nd or June 9th. And if people want to keep track of what I'm doing, they can go to my website at www.themindfulhabit.com or find me on Twitter or find me on YouTube or Facebook, all the social media platforms, some of them we talked about today. And uh, I'm just excited to be spreading the message. And thank you, folks, for having me on. Anytime, Craig. Yep. And, um, folks, um, we are running out of time here. I'd like to thank our listeners for listening, and um, stay tuned for next week when we'll be talking about the history of Mayor Fiorello LaGuardia and his family, and um, we can give you a lot of uh, information there on who he was. And um, till then, uh, I'd like to thank our. Uh, don't forget to go to studentsforabetterfuture.com and make a, a donation. And um, we'll see everybody next uh, week on Tuesday. Thank you, and good night. Good night. Good night.